0: And welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. There she is over on the side where she's always at. So we're glad to be back. (laughs) and We're uh, glad that you're listening. We want to thank everybody again for listening to the podcast. Uh, The Lord is really kind of blessing it this month. We don't really know what's going on. We are keeping it in prayer. Um, We did an episode about prayer um, and we talked about that, about how we're, you know, we're praying for the podcast now and we see God doing some things and um, really increasing the, um, the amount of people who are listening. And, um, and, and really we do this for, I think when we do pray about it, we do this for the glory of God and for Jesus um, so that he would be edified. It's not really about us. It's not really about anything we, um, we want to accomplish or do in our lives, but it's just strictly for the glory of God. So, yes, yes. I was just looking at You he looked at me like I, I, didn't I, thought, I thought you might have something. something. No, I thought you had something. So, this episode, we're going to probably title When is the Rapture? So, Ooh. oh man. Oh, so if you came to this podcast and you saw the title and you want to know when the Rapture is, you picked a good one to listen to. So, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. If you want to know when, I'm going to tell you. Um, and, and the, the, simple answer is that we don't know. So I know you're disappointed and that's oh, immediately, that was lame. immediately that punched you in the <laughs> face and you said, man, I really thought it was going to be on Thursday or Friday. You know, I was going to take the day off work and get ready and all that. So, um, so <laughs> really, my really, I want to, we're going to, there's a lot of information here to kind of unpack about the rapture. And I want to get into a little bit of it. If you're, um, if you're a church going person and you've heard the term and you don't know where it comes from and you don't really know what it means, that's what this podcast is going to be about. So, um, little background on both of us. We both grew up Baptist. You're Baptist, correct? Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So we grew up Baptist and part of Baptist doctrine is the pre-tribulation rapture, which means, um, and I'll, and I'll get into that in a second. Let me go back to the beginning a little bit of, of all this. So the rapture actually comes from, uh, a Latin word. Um, I've got it written down. I've got notes here today because I did actually take, I've taken notes and I wanted to make sure I get all my information correct. Uh, but it comes from the Latin word "raptura," which means, uh, seizing or kidnapping. And it comes from a, um, uh, another, uh, latin vulgate of riparium so um one of the things right off the bat you need to know the word rapture does not appear in the scriptures there's nowhere in the bible does the word rapture exist what no the word rapture is not there it's one of the things the uh, jehovah's witness um we'll talk a little bit about them in this podcast because it really matters um, but that's one of the things they argue is that, that there is no such word in the scripture they say the word trinity doesn't uh, exist in the scriptures either um and like we've talked before just because it doesn't exist in the scriptures doesn't mean it's it's not a concept that's not there. Um, Elohim is mentioned in Genesis, and Elohim says to himself, he says, let's make man in our image. And then it says, so he made man in his image. And so while it might not say the Trinity, that Elohim spoke to the Trinity, Elohim is a plural word. It means more than one. So he was there with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and he was talking about creating man. So um, there's other things in passages where Jesus says, you know, uh, let me have the glory in you that I used to have. He says, but I'm here. He said, let me have glory in you that I shared with you when I was with you. Um, so he's, he's also says that, uh, he thought it not robbery to make himself equal with God because he was God in the flesh. Um, so, you know, there's, there's ideas and concepts there for a Trinity, um, a triune being, um, but there's no actual word Trinity in the scripture. So if you're using that as your, uh, specific reason not to believe in something, you're kind of, um, it's a little silly. Okay. So rapture. Now let's get back to the word rapture. So rapture in the scripture doesn't, it doesn't exist. Um, everybody wants but everybody wants to know, we know there's something that's going to happen. Um, first Thessalonians, I'm going to read some scripture for us. So we'll kind of keep up with what's going on. But uh first Thessalonians said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them that are which asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this, we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, which are alive and remain, comfort one another with these words. So the, in Thessalonians, he's telling us that there's going to be this time when, when Jesus returns and the dead in Christ are going to rise to meet him in the air. And those who are alive and remain will be caught up with them after the dead in Christ rise first. So there is, um, there's something going on there, right? So, um, I think he's painting a picture, right? He's trying to, he's trying to give you an idea of what's going to happen. Um, and so, uh, interestingly enough um before the year 18 and 12 18 and 12 um and i'm going to pick on the pre-tribulation rapture the, probably the most because that's the one that has been pushed around so much um before i do let me preface this by saying These ideas and concepts of rapture and tribulation and all these things, none of these things, you don't have to believe pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, any of that. You don't have to believe any of that to go to heaven. That's not the qualification. The qualification is believing in Jesus Christ, God's sacrificial lamb who died on the cross for your sin. That's it. Um, so, you know, people take this stuff and they get really, uh, upset about it and they take it really serious. Like they've got the, you know, I honestly, like if you don't believe the right way, then that's going to preclude you. Right. Honestly, for me, I don't care if it's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, as long as I'm going, right? So I'm happy. Let's um, get on the train. I'm happy to be, I'm just waiting on the Lord to return. So there's going to be a lot of people in different denominations view this differently. Catholics don't believe in a uh, pre-tribulation rapture. Lutherans don't believe in it. Um, there's a lot of different people who have different viewpoints. Um, so looking at the pre-tribulation rapture the only reason i bring that one up is because when we grew up in the 80s it was it was one of the most dominant things you heard in church jesus is coming soon keep your eyes on the heaven jesus is coming soon there was the 88 reasons why jesus is coming in 1988 a guy wrote a book about it and said he was coming in 1988 and then he changed it to 1989 when it didn't happen the first time Um, and and the bad thing is it's not only the um what I would consider biblical churches, uh, Christians that do this, the Jehovah's Witness did it. They said Jesus was coming in 1914. Um, They said he was coming in 19, I believe 1925. And then again in 1928, they published it in their Watchtower magazine. And when he didn't come the third time, they made the assumption, well, he must have come invisible. So he's here and that's what they're doing. They think they're building his kingdom on earth, right? Right. Because he came invisible. So that's, that's kind of where they go. Um, but like I was saying before, the, word, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture did not exist before the year 1812. You're not going to find it in the scripture. You're not going to find it written down anywhere else. Um, it is generally thought to originate with a man called John Darby. And I've got my notes here, John Darby. He was part of the Plymouth Brethren, and the idea uh, originated around 1827. Um, if you know anything about the Bible, maybe you don't. So a little lesson here. Um, he is considered to be the father of what is called dispensationalism. Do you know what that is? No. Oh, you've heard of the dispensation. So we both went to Christian school, and I know she had this in Bible uh, yes, class. Yes, I remember. We heard I the dispensation. So dispensationalism is uh, as an idea, and it's the, there are seven dispensations, right? So they believe the dispensation of innocence, conscience, human government, promise, law, the dispensation of grace, which they believe we're currently in, and the millennial kingdom, which is a thousand-year reign. So the dispensationalists draw out this idea from Genesis that God created everything in seven days. The Bible says that a day was like, Christ is like a thousand years. And so they assume, well, if the millennial reign of Christ is a thousand years, then there must be six thousand years or six days before Christ's return or dispensations. And so these dispensations happen in different times. Right now, they believe before Jesus died on the cross, there was the dispensation of law. And after he died is the dispensation of grace. And they're not all exactly a thousand years long, but they're six dispensations before the millennial reign of christ and so you have a lot of people who are um who have dedicated their lives to predicting when jesus is jesus is going to return based on those numbers because that's where it really all comes from um You can go from the time that uh, Adam is exiled from the Garden of Eden in Genesis up until Christ is crucified is almost a period of 4,000 years. Um, You can look at it genealogically through the scripture to find that line, and and it's almost 4,000 years. So they go from Jesus at the cross to now, and well, hey, that's another 2,000 years or give or take a few years. So it's been 6,000 years in most, most people's minds, uh, theologians who look at the scripture Bible, right? None of the world says something different, but they say it's been 6,000 years since Adam. So the millennial reign of Christ, which is an eternal Sabbath or a, a millennial Sabbath, I should say. Um, it's a rest. It's a millennial rest where Christ rules as King on the earth, sets up his kingdom. Um, and so they believe that's coming. And so there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out when, Is this going to occur? And so from Darby... What happened with John Darby is John Darby. There was a story of a little girl who came to his church, and she said she had a dream, and in that dream she was told by I guess Jesus or God that the church was going to rapture out before the tribulation. In um, Daniel, there's this thing called the 42 weeks. Um, it's called the tribulation, uh, great tribulation to come on the earth as such as never been seen, and um, so the church, uh, Darby, started teaching this idea to the Plymouth Brethren that hey, the church is going to be removed before. Um, we, the the tribulation period, we're not going to have to go through the tribulation period. Um, this is also continued on, um, CS Schofield, a Schofield Bible. Um, he put it in the Schofield Bible when it came out. Schofield Bible is one of the best Bibles I ever had. It was fantastic. Um, but it was also in the Schofield Bible when we grew up and we were Baptists. This is what we were taught that we were going to leave the earth, uh, before Jesus showed up. Um, We're not going to be hanging around for right. all them shenanigans. Hal Lindsey, there was a, a book writer, Hal Lindsey wrote a book in 1970s called The Late Great Planet Earth. And it was very much, very heavily into the pre-tribulation rapture. that The church escapes the tribulation. Um, and so I think that's why in the 1980s, there was a lot of that. There was a whole lot of people walking around saying, you know, I know Jesus is coming this year. It's guys, Oh, it's coming soon. And it's not that I'm, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that, that Jesus is coming back. He is going to return. He is going to redeem us. He is going to take us out of this world. Um, but there were a lot of people who staked their reputations, um, on that, you know, on these, these timelines and on the things um, there was a, a man called Harold Camping who uh, in May, he said Jesus would return um, May 21st, 2011, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, Jesus hasn't come back. We're, you know, we're still waiting on him to return, and, um, and, and it's foolishness because the, the, we all know the scripture verse. We all know the Bible where it says, no man knows the day or the hour, right? I mean, it, that's what it tells us. It tells us that no one knows the day or the hour that Jesus is going to return except for who? God. God himself. Now, here's the interesting thing that I think a lot of people need to understand. The imminent return of Christ, is it random? No. No. Look, she got it. Fantastic. And you know that. So... No, the imminent return of Christ is not a random occurrence. Um, You have to understand, and I think everybody, when we say Jesus could come at any day or any hour, in our understanding as a human being, yes, that is exactly what could occur. But in the mind of God, there is an appointed day and hour when he will send his son to return. So it is not a random occurrence. It's not just going to happen. I mean, it's not just this random thing where God's sitting there and he's like, "Eh." okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, hang on. we'll, We'll go another day. No, God has. I'm tired today. Our God is a God of order, and He has things lined up exactly how He wants them to occur, Um, and He also has it has set out how these things should come to be. So, we're going to look at a couple other scripture verses real quick, and I want to point out. So, I'm going to give you what the Bible says about this. Uh, It it doesn't say pre-tip. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib—it doesn't say any of that. We've already said that the, the rapture's not in there, um, and it doesn't use those terms of pre, post, and all that. But um, so we're going to look at actual scripture verses. We're going to look at only the scripture verses, kind of to see what it says. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 16, this is a very popular uh, piece of scripture. It says, "So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination of desolation described by the Daniel prophet, let the reader understand." Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetops come down to retrieve anything from his house, and let no one in the field return for his cloak. How miserable those days will be for pregnant and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not occur in the winter or on the Sabbath. It's interesting, the Sabbath there. For at that time there will be a great tribulation. Unmatched from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be seen again. If those days had not been cut short, nobody would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Verse 23 says, At that time, if anyone says to to you, Look, here is Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders that would deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I told you in advance. Verse 26 He says, So if they tell you, There he is in the wilderness, do not go out, or Here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whether there is a carcass, there the vulture will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven and the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great authority. And he will send out the angels with a loud trumpet call and will gather the elect from the four winds from every end of the heavens to the other. Now, the main thing I want to point out here is that he says immediately in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, he lists the sun and the moon, right? And then he says, at that time, the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven. And then he says, what? He's going to gather who? The elect, He's going to gather the elect. So, after the truth, so he's saying here, there's this tribulation period that comes as the world has never seen. And then he says, You're going to see the sign of the Son of Man coming in heaven, and everybody's going to see it. And at that time, he will gather his people together. He'll gather the elect. Wait a minute now. That means after? Means after what? We don't get out of here until ah uh, now you're now you're now you're now you're starting to ask the right question right so the question is if we believe in a seven year tribulation uh, some people do they believe there's a, a tribulation period seven years three and a half years of tribulation three and a half years of great tribulation so. Um, In the current uh, eschatology teaching of this, right? So in the middle of the tribulation seven year period, there's a man who comes forth and he reveals himself. He's the Antichrist. He comes forth and he reveals himself to be Satan. He creates what is called the abomination of desolation. The Bible says he goes into the temple, he goes to the holy place where the altar is, and he offers up a sacrifice. And assumably it's a pig or something that is... uh, Uh, unclean yes very good very good it's considered to be unclean by god which is interesting because we don't take it that way anymore we believe that Pigs. We can eat them pigs. Yeah, they're clean. So that's why. So that's really interesting that he would do that. So anyway, so um, so that's Matthew chapter twenty four, and I'm I'm flipping through some more here. I'm going to give you a few more, and then I'm going to give you my take on what the scripture says. Oh, this is a very this is a very good one. So if you've read your Bible and 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 you've you've studied up on this, and I know we we love to listen to our preachers, I have no problem with that, but I'm sure every one of us has done our own research about this idea. We come to Second <laughs> Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Now I want you to listen. Listen to this because this is really interesting. He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you. Wait a minute. So he just started this verse and he's saying concerning the gathering of. Uh, we're, OK, let's talk about us being gathered unto Christ. He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering unto him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So what he was saying is if somebody writes you a letter and says that Jesus has already come, don't be shaken by it because that hasn't happened yet. We don't want you being bent out of shape. We're talking about Jesus coming back and being gathered unto to him, but until it happens, don't don't fret. Then he says, now listen, this is verse number three, and this is very important that you pay attention. He says, the first thing he says is, let no man deceive you by any means. Okay, got that? You got that? Let no man Don't deceive be deceived. you. Don't deceive you. Okay, let's go from there. For that day will not come. Okay. What day? The gathering together under Christ. Okay. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So there's number one, um, there has to be a great falling away. And I think we're seeing part of that, the beginnings of a great falling away in the church today. Um, And everybody said that for centuries, I'm sure. But I really kind of, in my generation, I see more people falling away and going down errant paths of doctrine than any time in history. Um, So that was the first part. The second part is the really interesting piece. So he says, for that day will not come, the gathering unto Christ, unless we see the great falling away comes first. Uh, And... And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The son of perdition is Satan, the Antichrist, who is revealed three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation. So the day that we're gathered unto Christ is not supposed to come until the son of perdition is revealed. So wait, how is the church raptured out before the tribulation? According to the scripture, that's not going to happen. We're and still I'm, here. I'm not trying to pick on that that particular idea. I'm trying to tell you what the scripture says about when we will be gathered, right? So then he says, he goes on to say, um, the, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Um, Jesus prayed for his disciples at one point, and he called Judas the son of perdition in John chapter 17. He prays for them all except for one that he calls the son of perdition because he was a devil. And we know that Judas was used by Satan to... Tr- to be a traitor to Christ. So Judas was the son, was that same um, son of perdition, the devil, that is going to be revealed through the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation. Um, and it's interesting because he goes on to say, "How do you not know these things? I've reminded you of them. I told you about these things." Um, he also goes on and he describes. Here's an interesting thing. I want. Uh, he talks about the the son of perdition, right? And he says, um, "Let me get over here." Verse 7, for the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. This is talking about the Holy Spirit, till the Holy take, Holy Spirit's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, and the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming. So we, we find the in verse 9, he says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the works of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And so he's talking about the son of perdition. A major point there for me to point out is that he called him the lawless one. He's without law. So that's not a good thing. He doesn't believe he doesn't have law because he's he's willing and dealing sin, basically. Um, so... There's a couple more different passages. I'm gonna read two more real quick uh, because I think it's really important. If you go, so you get those those ideas. And the concept here that I really want to point out is the disciples were not looking for that. The disciples were not looking for a pre-tribulation rapture. The disciples were looking, and this is the Jewish under you gotta understand what the Jews were looking for when Jesus came. The reason they didn't accept him is because he was not the conquering king. He didn't come in to set up the kingdom and run out the Romans. That's what they were looking for. It's what they wanted. Right. They were under Roman occupation. And so they were when Jesus came came as a, lo- a lamb the first time he comes as a lamb second time he comes as a lion but the first time he came as a lamb and he was that sacrifice for sins for all mankind right but the jews didn't at the time didn't want nothing to do with that they want a messiah to come and set up a kingdom and force their enemies out of their way that's what they're looking for they wanted to deliver exactly same thing as moses right right same idea so this this whole idea uh, so and th- that's a very good point a deliverer like Moses. So when you're looking at the tribulation and what the scripture's saying, you have to remember, we've, we talked about this before that a lot of this has to do with Egypt. It has a lot to do with Egypt. Questions you would ask yourself, did the Hebrews that were in Egypt at the time, did they, were they there when God sent the plagues? Yes. Wait, he didn't take them out of Egypt first? No. No. So you could look at the plagues, the regular plagues as the tribulation, the great tribulation in Egypt would have been when the death angel fell and they had to cover the doorpost with the blood. Did they get to escape Egypt then? No, no, they were still in Egypt and they were allowed to leave after that point. Right. So there's there. If if you look at those two things, you look at the, the plagues that fell. that's the tribulation of God and the wrath of God is when the death angel came, because that was when God was angry, and he was going to take those firstborn to make them, to break Pharaoh's heart, right? So that's the wrath of God. Same thing in the tribulation. We've got two different things there. We've got a tribulation period, and I don't even really call it the great tribulation. I would call it the wrath of God falling on mankind. Now, the scripture has said that we will escape the wrath of God. We know we're not going to have to go through God's wrath and anger when he pours out his, his anger upon this earth. But the, the question is, is when do we technically by the scripture leave. It does. There's no day count. There's no uh, seven year tribulation. It's day 47. It's there's none of that. There's no time hour, none of that. Um, But it does give us an idea of when we could possibly leave. And so I go to Revelations chapter 14. I'll give you a little heads up. Revelations chapter 15 is when the wrath of God falls. Right, so the very next it's chapter, right, right, the very next chapter describes the wrath of God. But the end of Revelation's chapter fourteen says this, and I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and one who sat upon the cloud, like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, "Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe." And he he that sat on the ca- cloud. Thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the cluster of the vines of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the winepress of God's wrath. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridle, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So we have this, this very descriptive, very descriptive uh, scene um, in Revelations chapter 14, right before the wrath of God falls. And we read it right here that uh, there's one, now who do you think this is? And upon the cloud was one who sat, like unto the Son of Man, having a, on his head a golden crown. Who is that? Jesus. He's sitting on a cloud. He's got a golden crown upon his head, and he's he's given a sickle, and he's told to thrust it into the earth and reap because it's it's ripe. We're the we're that fruit. We're that fruit. We're the we're the believers. Here he is, and he's he's calling his believers out. And this is just a, a very uh, well painted picture of what's going to happen. But we know it's with the the shout of the voice of the archangel. We know it's at the at the last trump, which is really interesting. That's a whole other podcast it'll take us another half hour to do but in this in this chapter 14 of revelations it shows a picture here of people being taken out before the wrath of god falls and the wrath of god does not fall until after the son of perdition is revealed that's crazy. So I've still, you know, all the years I always wondered about kind of where do we get the idea of uh, uh, we're going to, who are we? And I always felt this way. I always felt like, who am I that I deserve to escape anything, any kind of, of tribulation? Or And the scripture tells us that we should be prepared for that. If we believe in Jesus, it says we're going to have great trials and tribulations in life. No, we're supposed to be prosperous right. and our yes. life's supposed to all be the easy. joy and all the easiness. And oh. and I'm not trying to knock that. I'm just trying to say, we've got to look at, you've got to get into the scripture and you've got to look at some things that are a little bit different than what you've always been told, because there's a lot here that people don't even know. Revelations chapter 20. And I saw a throne and they that sat upon them and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of god and which had not worshiped the beast neither his image these okay so wait a minute these people who have been beheaded for the cause of christ did not worship the beast they didn't take his image they they didn't take his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and they lived and reigned with christ a thousand years so now we've got people who are who went through this tribulation period who were believers who were, had their heads cut off who are ruling and reigning with christ for a thousand years i these what Huh? That's not supposed to occur. (laughs) But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So you're going to, there's so much, there's so much, and Revelations is such a a metaphorical book. There's a lot of metaphor there. There's a lot of um, symbolism, but there's also a lot of actual real things that he saw. Um, But the point is we don't have no clue we have no clue when the rapture is going to happen i'll call it the rapture that's fine i got no problem with that the gathering together we have no clue when that is going to occur um, according to what the scripture there's a whole lot more to it but according to what we see in the scripture the the believer could actually go through tribulation you gotta remember those people in hebrews in egypt were there when the plagues fell. now god protected them but the plagues still fell around them and what did that make the egyptians do get angry and if you think for a minute that they didn't go out there and punish those people you're wrong So what happens to the believers who are in the world when tribulation falls on the world and and it's because of the crooked Christians or it's because of these people who believe in this God, you know, they're going to take it out on whoever's there. Um, That's just what the scripture says. And from what Revelation says, there's a reaping that occurs before the wrath of God. Um, You're not going to find these different times in the Bible that say, you know, May the 13th or, or July 21st. It's not there. It just doesn't exist. I think this is going to be like a two part thing. Yeah, we're going to go a little bit long with that. It was kind of rushed. It is very rushed. Um, but w- the last thing I could really honestly say here is, um, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. That's what the Bible says. As it was in the days of Noah, um, you have to go back and you have to look at the days of Noah and you have to look at uh, what was going on in the days of Noah, right? Um, Terrible. Yeah. You have the the scripture, and I know people are going to point at this when they're going to say, well, the scripture says that two are in the field, one is taken, one's left behind. There's two working at the mill, one is taken, one's left behind. And I will say definitely that I think that is completely taken out of context. Um, And mainly because it it follows up with as it was in the days of Noah. So if you look back at the days of Noah, the wicked people were, were removed. It was the righteous people who were saved. And the wrath of God would be the flood. What would the tribulation be? The rain. The rain. The rain is the tribulation. They didn't escape it. It still rained it on It was all around them. But they escaped the wrath of God because they were in the ark. God gives you a way out. There you go. So you still, you know, they still went through that, but God will provide us a way. So, you know, I've had people uh, that I've talked to before that are completely afraid of a tribulation. They're completely afraid of going through anything horrific. Um, but I don't know which God you're serving because my God provides a way. He always makes a way. He will not leave us for sin. That's that's a promise from the scripture that you can stand on today. That God will not leave you forsaken, no matter where you are, what you're going through. It is hard. Yes, life can be bad. Yes, bad things can happen, even to the point of death. And I, you gotta you got as a Christian, you gotta take that as a reality, even to the point of death. But God will not forsake you. Um, so I wish I had better answers. Wish I could give you a timeline. I wish I could say the rapture is going to happen sometime soon. Um, I I don't I have no clue. I don't know. But hopefully this information will give you a little bit of, of, of a good place to start. She's right. We'll come back and we'll touch on this podcast again because there's so much more. I did kind of rush through this a little. And we'll get a little bit more into detail of um, some things out of Matthew and Luke. Right. Some signs, maybe. Yes. We'll get into some things of signs and, and times. And um, and I'll actually give you my opinion as to how long I think it could be um, before Christ returns. Easy now. And I will throw out Don't the, do it. Don't. a season. Don't do it. Oh, Because no, I, do it. I I think it's a season. I the scripture says you'll you'll be able to see the season. Oh, no, so I think there's a don't season. Don't give away too much. So we'll come back we'll come back to that in the next uh, hopefully in the next episode. But thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, all those other places of social media. Please share this with your family and friends. Help us get the word out. Uh, the abnormal Christian. Um, if you'd like a T shirt, we don't have any. So we'll we'll come up with one. <laughs> Let us know and we'll see if we can do something. All right. So we we thank you and we appreciate you. God bless. Bye.